Hello, you are listening to Gary Gatehouse, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have good questions on the show like... Uh, Mr. Obama, sir, I have a, just a quick question if I can. Um, I was wondering, you know, just uh, where... Uh, where the hell is your birth certificate? Well, welcome back to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Wednesday edition, Hump Day in America. Hope you're having a great day wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world. Wow, what a night last last Tuesday night, man. What do you think of the uh, What do you think of Obama and his State of the Union address? What do you what, you know? All the all the big players were assembled there. You know, the State of the Union address. Audience was full of communists, Muslims, Muslim sympathizers, and of course, the biggest supporter of all, Barack Hussein Obama Jr. and all the members of the Progressive Communist Democrat Party. They were all there, clapping and standing up, jumping up and sitting down, jumping up and sitting down. I thought I was at some revival meeting there for a while, you know. It's it's a funny thing. Those people are all a bunch of phonies, you know, ladies and gentlemen. Those State of the Union addresses are nothing but a bunch of crap and propaganda. And look at me, what I say and what I've done for the United States of America. And that guy hasn't done diddly squat. Congress hasn't done diddly squat. America's in a bad shape. And these guys are all standing there playing, jump up and down out of your seats and clap and wave your hands and sing hallelujah. The man, Obama, has done it all. I just don't understand State of the Union addresses by any, by any person, any president. It's all a bunch of spin. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, two officials from a group designated by the Justice Department as unindicted co-conspirators in a plot to fund the terrorist group Hamas, they attended President Obama's State of the Union address this last Tuesday as guests of the Democratic lawmakers the Democrat Party. The invitations to the Council on American-Islamic Relation leaders came after the nation's first Muslim congressman, Representative Keith Ellison, from the, from the great state of Minnesota, a Democrat, challenged House Speaker Paul Ryan uh, to bring a Muslim American as one of his guests to the, speech, to the uh, State of the Union speech. This was reported by The Hill. Newspaper up there. Ellison called it an opportunity to really drive the point home that there is no Americans who are suspect just based on their religious identity that all Americans are welcome in the people's house. That might be your case, Representative Ellison, since you pray five times a day and pray to the Koran and sponsor these terrorists, and it's not a religion, it's a phony cult, brother. Wake up. Now, CAIR, however, according to some evidence that was entered in the terror financing case, was founded by figures associated with Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood, the worldwide movement that has stated its intent to transform the United States of America into Islamic State. Well, they've got two two major people or players already transformed. They got uh, the Muslim Brother up there in, uh, from the from the great state of of uh, Minnesota, Keith Ellison, and they got Barack Hussein Obama Jr. Oh, they got, uh, oh, I forgot, Valerie Jarrett. There's another prominent person that's already on the side of the Muslims and already on the side of the Muslims' intent to take 
uh, and transform America into an Islamic state. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's about time we Americans wake up to the fact that Barack Hussein Obama Jr. and all his dotes, all his minions, support and stand by Islam and everything they do. Way back in 2014, the United Arab Emirates put CAIR on its list of designated terrorist organizations, along with groups such as ISIS and Al-Qaeda. More than a dozen CAIR leaders have been charged or convicted of terrorism-related crimes. Yet that doesn't stop Ellison. That doesn't stop Obama. Bring them on in. Set them on down to the uh, speech to the American people, the state of the union, the state of lies coming out of the mouth of a narcissist. I love myself and I've done it all for America. Barack Hussein Obama Jr., a Muslim, at the very least a Muslim sympathizer. Now, Representative Zoe Logford, Democrat from uh, California, invited Samina Usman, a government relations coordinator in CAIR's San Francisco office, to join her. That was reported by The Hill as well. Representative Alik Hastings, Democrat from Florida, will host Nazir Hamis, the chief operating officer of CAIR's Florida division or branch. You know, Democrat National Committee Chairman Debbie Wasserman Schultz of Florida has also, or she urged, Democrat lawmakers to bring Muslims to the speech as a rebuke to what she sees as anti-Islamic language from the right. We conservatives, we people that still have gray matter between our ears, and we understand what the Democrats are trying to do to us, what Islam's trying to do to us, what Muslims are trying to do to us, and the Republicans, they don't say a damn thing, they sit on their hands... But we the people understand, we understand what Democrats are trying to do to us, what Obama's up to, what people like Debbie Wasserman Schultz and that whole damn ragtag bunch of left-wing socialist Marxist communist progressives are up to. We understand it completely. But you know this lady, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, I don't think she has any gray matter between her ears. She made the statement, she said, the rhetoric and vitriol that has been targeted at this community, Muslims, has been absolutely outrageous and unacceptable. She made that uh, statement at a news conference, according to the Sun Sentinel in South Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we who pay attention know where these people stand, don't we? We see evidence of it every day from Hillary, Obama, Wasserman Schultz, the DNC, the the Democrat Party, and the Republican leadership who says nothing, does nothing, sets on its hands. Now, just a little information on CAIR. FBI wartap evidence from the terror funding Holy Land Foundation case in Texas, my state, showed CAIR Executive Director Niad Awad at an October 1993 meeting of Hamas leaders and activists in Philadelphia, USA. CAIR's parent organization, according to the evidence, was born out of a need to give a media twinkle to the Muslim leader's agenda of supporting violent jihad abroad while slowly institutionalizing Islamic law, Sharia law, in the United States of America. And many dolts in America, many underinformed, misinformed, I don't give a damn people, call themselves Americans, they buy into all of this. Buy into all of it. 
Now, CAIR has complained of the unindicted co-conspirators designation, but it's true, ladies and gentlemen. There's no way they can they can complain all they want, but they can't deny it. They can't deny it. That group has been involved with conspiracy to support Hamas for a long, long time. And Americans, we patriots, we who pay attention, we know this. We know that the media, the mainstream media, the journalists, the DNC, the RNC, they've all tried to spin it different. But it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Political correctness doesn't have a hold of us all. Political correctness doesn't have its all by the throat, like it does the DNC and a lot of people in the RNC. It does not have us all by the throat. And we are the ones speaking out and not afraid to do it. And the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show is proud to say we are one of those who will speak out and keep speaking out until the people of America wake the hell up. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Wednesday edition. Wednesday edition, hump day in America, hump day in the free world, I guess. We'll be back after the Phyllis Shaffrey Report and a few messages. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on freedominamericaradio.com. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, pro-family leader, and author of 25 books, including the best-selling A Choice, Not an Echo. And now, here's Mrs. Schlafly. Liberals have perfected the art of exploiting a tragedy for political gain. We saw how the massacre of nine people at a Bible study inside a Charleston, South Carolina church was used to bring down the Confederate flag all over the South. Donald Trump is proving that conservatives can play that game, too. In the speech announcing his candidacy, Trump warned that when Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're sending people who have lots of problems. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. A few days later, a young woman was shot and killed while walking with her father after taking pictures at a popular San Francisco tourist attraction. Francisco Lopez Sanchez, the Mexican who was charged with killing Kate Steinle, was a Mexican who had been convicted of seven felonies and had been deported five times. He absolutely should not have been free to walk the streets of San Francisco. Rarely has any political candidate been proved so tragically right so soon, but that has not stopped furious liberals from trying to make Trump the bad guy. Liberals have even been pressuring NBC and other liberal corporations to break Trump's contracts for the Miss USA pageant for buying clothing at Macy's and a celebrity golf outing. Most of the Republican establishment, including Mitt Romney and Jeb Bush, have rushed to denounce Donald Trump for raising the issue of criminal aliens from Mexico living in sanctuary cities. Among Republican presidential candidates, only Senator Ted Cruz and Dr. Ben Carson have welcomed Donald Trump. Dr. Carson said, we need to discuss things openly. I like people who are willing to say what they believe. Dr. Carson previously fought back against a defamatory accusation by some left-wing group, and he says political correctness is destroying our nation. Now, when I evaluate a candidate, the ability to resist liberal pressure is the most important. 
Cruz, Trump, and Carson are among the few who pass that test. The phrase, a choice, not an echo, comes from the title of Phyllis Schlafly's history-making book. The newly expanded anniversary edition documents how presidential candidates have been nominated for the last 50 years. Get your copy at a special discount at eagleforum.org. The stakes are higher than ever. So please go online to eagleforum.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Wednesday edition, and we'll be back after a few short messages. At the American Lung Association, we're fighting for a day when we can all breathe easier. We're fighting for clear skies over every city and healthy lungs throughout the country. We're fighting to keep harmful secondhand smoke out of our public spaces and workplaces and fighting to free millions of Americans from the addictive grip of tobacco and the devastating effects of lung disease. We're fighting for a day when kids no longer battle airborne poisons in their own homes or the fear of an asthma attack. The American Lung Association isn't just fighting for air. We're fighting for all the things that make it worth breathing, and we can use your help. Join us in the fight. Visit fightingforair.org and read about just a few of the many ways the American Lung Association is fighting to protect the air we breathe, both indoors and out. See what you can do at fightingforair.org. You are listening to the sound of the heartbeat of an unborn baby just 28 days after conception. Every day, more than 3,000 abortions are performed in this country, and each abortion stops the heartbeat of a living unborn baby. Since 1973, the annual number of abortions has gone from approximately 750,000 a year to just under 1.3 million. Abortion isn't rare or safe, only legal. Legalized abortion on demand has taken the lives of more than 50 million unborn children and left those women who have had abortions more vulnerable to physical, mental, and emotional complications. We at National Right to Life are working to break this cycle. We are working for the day when both mother and child will be welcomed, loved, and protected. Won't you help us? This has been a Perspective on Life from National Right to Life. For more information, visit our website, nrlc.org. You know, Patriots, the Gary Gatehouse radio show for, uh, I don't know, going on eight years now, has preached to the choir, I guess, when I try to warn the American people about communism within our federal government. I have put out proof time after time, and it seems like most people, their eyes just roll back in their head and they don't want to hear anything about what's going on in their government when it comes to communism. I don't know if it's a foreign word to them they can't really equate or they just don't want to hear or they just are tired of hearing of the word communism when it's attached to the Democrat Party. But it's the truth. It's the reality of the situation. They are communists. They call themselves progressives. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, I want to give you another little insight on a full-blown communist that occupies the House of Representatives on the Democratic side of the aisle. And that lady, her name is Barbara Lee. Her name is Barbara Lee. 
And Lee was nominated by the international organization 1,000 Women for the Nobel Peace Prize as an effort to publicize the wealth of strategies and procedures for conflict resolution and methods of negotiation that women all over the world develop in order to deal with the various social, political issues and problems in their respective regions. She was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize based on that and what they said she was doing to bring that to the forefront. Now, Lee is most well-known, ladies and gentlemen, for being the only member of the House to vote to deny the President authority to respond militarily to the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. And that is one of her credentials for nomination for the Nobel Peace Prize way back then. Lee, Barbara Lee, has also explained that she represents a district that is committed to peace and justice and does her best to promote those values. But that is simply not true, patriots. That is not true. The values of Barbara Lee promotes and has always promoted are the values of socialism, communism, and anti-Americanism. Lee paid her establishment political dues first as an aide to her mentor and predecessor in the House, House seat, Representative Ron Red Dellums, who was a bona fide communist, and later as a California Assemblywoman and State Senator. However, less known is Lee's service on the National Coordinating Committee of the Committee of Correspondence and Organization that splintered from the Communist Party way back in the United in uh, 1991, the Communist Party USA. Angela Davis, her good friend, the three-time Communist Party candidate for Vice President of the United States, served by Barbara Lee's side. Earlier, while working with Dellums, she joined the United States Granada Friendship Society, a front group supporting the communist dictatorship of Maurice Bishop, a close ally of Cuban dictator Fidel Castro. Just months before the U.S. invasion that toppled Bishop in 1983, Barbara Lee and Dellums visited the island on official business of the House Armed Services Committee to gauge the military threat posed to the United States by an international airport being built there, built there by Cubans. This was all a front. Now, according to documents captured by U.S. military forces in Grenada, Lee personally presented Bishop's Politburo with a draft of Dellum's report before it was presented to the Congressional Committee. This is treason, ladies and gentlemen, and it took place back in 1983. Barbara Lee and Dellum's handed that report over to Bishop before the invasion of Grenada. She told on the American people and military strategy, and she gave it to a known communist and communist country. But nothing was ever done or said about it. Despite revelations about this in 1993, Dellums went on to become chairman of the committee, the House uh, Armed Forces Committee, so vital to national security. But that didn't make any difference with Democrats. Lee went on to become a member of the California legislature. One of her first acts was threatening me or threatening us all with a defamation lawsuit for punishing or publishing much of the information you are reading right now that I'm telling you about during her first term as California assemblyman. She had dropped that threat after being informed that only defense would be the truth. 
And we all know Democrats never, ever tell the truth. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the minutes of a Politburo meeting held in 1982 say Lee actually encouraged the communist government to make a revision in the report to minimize the military significance of the Grenada airport. Less than a year later, the captured documents reveal Lee helped coordinate a tour of the West Coast for Ian Jacobs, Grenada's Deputy United Nations Ambassador, as part of a propaganda offensive to counteract President Ronald Reagan's verbal attacks on Grenada. Once again, Angela Davis was by Barbara Lee's side. Two communists, ladies and gentlemen, working against the United States of America, working against President Reagan. One occupied the House of Representatives and the other was a card-carrying communist of the United States, Angela Davis. We all know by history that Mr. Ronald Reagan, president, later ordered an invasion of the island when U.S. medical students were taken hostage by the Cuban-backed regime. When the United States Marines landed, they were met with armed resistance, not from local forces, but from Cuban infantry regulars. Lee's friendly relations with Cuba date back even further in 1979. While on Dellum's staff, she traveled to Havana to attend a conference of non-aligned nations, a Cold War emphasism for countries aligned with the Soviet Union. She attended the conference not as an employee of the federal government, which she was, but rather claiming to be a journalist for the progressive alternative alternative San Francisco paper, The Sun Reporter. The San Francisco paper letter... uh, San Francisco paper Lee represented in Cuba was edited at the time by the late Carlton Goodlett. On April 22, 1970, Goodlett received the Lenin Peace Prize in Moscow. It was quite an affair, attended by Leonid Brezhnev and other party notables. The date marked Lenin's 100th birthday. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you all of this, this to emphasize, this to illustrate, this to highlight what this lady, Barbara Lee, who now runs the Congressional Black Caucus in our United States government, what she has been up to in the past, what the government, our government, both Republican and Democrat, knew about her as a turncoat, as a treasonous person, as a communist, didn't do a damn thing about it. Didn't do a damn thing about it, and she still occupies a seat in the House of Representatives representing her constituency in California. She's still a Democrat, and she is the leader of the Congressional Black Caucus. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's a damn shame that we the people, over the ages, over the decades, have been lied to, have been hoodwinked, by not only the left, but but the Republican leadership as well. They have all lied and connived to keep their seats, to keep their power, and they let people like Barbara Lee run amok inside our, uh, the hallways of Congress, spreading communism, and the whole Democrat Party now is so far to the left, they are communists. They call themselves progressives, but they are communists. And Barbara Lee is not the only one running the halls of Congress who's a communist and pushes it every day. There are many.
many who do. Hillary Clinton's one. She calls herself a progressive. Barack Hussein Obama Jr. is one. He calls himself a, a progressive. They're not progressives. We all know what the word progressive means communist. But yet, the mainstream media, the Congress, Paul Ryan, all of them, they know it. They know damn well know it. But they don't say a damn thing about it, do they? The media doesn't report it to the American people, does it? When have you ever heard anything about Barbara Lee? Most of the American people don't even know she's a black lady that runs uh, the Black Caucus out of uh, funded offices within our government and that she's a communist. She supports Muslims. She supports communism. She supports anybody and any tin-horned dictator that hates America. I've given you examples of what she did in the past. Do you think she's changed? Hell no, she hasn't changed. Where in the hell is our leadership? Where in the hell is real, truthful journalism? Where is it? It's nowhere to be found. They are all turning their backs on We the People. Welcome to Faith and Freedom. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to stand up for faith and freedom as we discuss victories and challenges in the courts, in public policy, and in the culture. Faith and Freedom is brought to you by Liberty Council, a litigation, education, and policy organization. Join us now as we address the latest cultural issues across America and around the world. What does it mean to have marriage or even same-sex marriage left to the states to have a definition? One definition in one state, a different definition in another state. Some people say that that's part of the Tenth Amendment. Conservatives say that's a state's rights issue. Others say, no, you can't just simply leave the definition of marriage to the states. We're going to be talking about this on Faith and Freedom. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Joining me is Matt Barber, the founder of barbwire.com. Matt, let me begin by just saying this. I am someone who believes in limited government. I know you are too. And we believe certainly in states' rights. And we believe that the federal government has a limited role. I think we all would agree that the federal government, specifically the U.S. Supreme Court, does not have the right to redefine marriage and impose that on all 50 states and territories. The question, though, that we want to address is, do the states have the right to have their own definition of marriage? We're not talking about regulating the edges of marriage, how you get into it, how you get out of it, whether there are certain kinds of support versus not support, but the actual definition of marriage. Can, in fact, one state have a definition that marriage is the union of a man and a woman, and another state have a definition that, no, it's between two people of the same sex, and a third state have a definition that it could be polygamy or polyamory, so it could be group marriage. Is that something that's consistent with the Constitution? Is it consistent with natural law? And is it workable? That's the question we want to address. 
Well, and and of course the answer is is no. I mean, I, I we hear a lot of uh, even conservative and evangelical Christians and and folks that I that I have a great deal of respect for. I think having a fundamental misunderstanding about the institution of marriage. The institution of marriage is not something that we can define. That anyone can be defined. It is. What it is, God has defined marriage. Biology defines marriage as between a man and a woman. So e- even for the states to presume to to redefine an institution that is cannot that is immutable that cannot be redefined is is well outside the purview of of even any state legislator uh, legislature. That's right. You know the there are certain things that transcend the power of any earthly government to enact. And there are certain things that I think people would agree upon. These are things that, that cut across denominations, religions, time, history, and political ideology. One of those is the sanctity of human life. That has been something that has been treasured from the beginning. We have a belief that life is sacred. You want to protect your own life, therefore you also protect another person's life, because if you don't protect their life, then your life also is protected, and everyone has this own self-preservation, this idea of life. It's actually reflected in the Declaration of Independence, that there are certain unalienable rights that come from our Creator, and government has the duty to protect those rights, including, and it's not an exhaustive list, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those come from a higher authority, a higher law. And the earthly government has a right, a duty, to protect those liberties. But also, something that is in the same category as life is also marriage. And as you said, biologically, objectively, immutably, there's men and women, male and female. They are designed for one another. We know that they are complementary sexes from which our future generation occurs, and you can't change that no matter how you ultimately uh, try through the legislature, through the state Supreme Courts, or through some referendum of the people. It is what it is. Now, we have the right to regulate it, to be able to give benefits to it, tax exemption for families, those kinds of things, certain benefits, certain uh, monetary uh, help, spousal um, insurance coverage and things like that, but you can't redefine the institution itself. It is what it is. Well, you, you can no more redefine the institution of marriage than you can, you know, redefine gravity. You can't suspend the laws of marriage. The laws of marriage inherently require the binary compatibility between male and female. That is what marriage is. And, and you can say we are going to suspend the laws of marriage and reconstruct the laws of marriage to mean something that marriage doesn't. But that's just like saying, you know, we're going to take this apple, we're going to paint it orange, we're going to call it an orange. Well, guess what? It's, it's not an orange. It's still an apple with red paint on it. It's a counterfeit. And same-sex marriage is just a rotten apple by another name. It, it's, it's, it's a painted over uh, uh, apple, and they're calling it something that it is not. And uh, though they may try, you know, it just simply cannot be done. And, and unfortunately, I think even as we've mentioned in the onset here, I think even a number of, of conservatives have a misunderstanding of that reality. That's true. And then, you know, you would agree, I think everyone would agree, that you couldn't have uh, the state saying that we're going to allow human genocide, and that's okay. We're going to allow the destruction of Jews, and that's okay. Why? Because we voted on it. 
Why? Because the Supreme Court of the state said it's okay. Why? Because the legislature gave us that law. No, it doesn't matter. That's not okay. That is contrary to a natural law, certainly contrary to revealed law as well. It's contrary to the deeply held beliefs that we share uh, that are not just based upon the uniqueness of Florida or Alabama or New Jersey, but those transcend those geographical and political, even uh, religious lines. Marriage is also in that same category. And by the way, even uh, if you were to redefine and have one state one way, one state another way, here's what happens. person has same-sex marriage in New York, but not, say, for example, in Florida. So they get married in New York, and then they move to Florida. Then they want to get a divorce. What's Florida do with it? What happens if they die? Uh, and do they go back to the, you know, it's all, conf you cannot have this uh, patchwork because of the interconnection between these people migrating from one state to the other and then claiming certain benefits in that particular state. Uh, you certainly cannot have that in any given situation when you redefine the essence of marriage. Moreover, if you redefine the essence of marriage to be something that it is objectively cannot be, here's what you're saying. Boys and girls, you don't need a mother and a father that it's okay to be raised, we're going to allow our children to be raised, we're going to encourage people to be raised in a home where they never will have the opportunity for a father figure, never have the opportunity for a mother figure. That ultimately hurts children and it affects us in the greater society. We have an obligation for not only our future children, but our future security within the society. And we need the best kind of environment in which children are raised. And that's a home with a mother and a father when you remove the male or female from the home and then you negativize the absent gender, it's a double whammy. The gender's removed, the absent gender's got a negative spin put on it because of its absence and because of the two people of the same sex not wanting the other figure to be in the home. It really damages children. Same-sex marriage is an oxymoron. It's contrary to natural revealed law. It's contrary to millennia of human history, and it hurts children in our society. Well, Matt, this is the secular left's modus operandi. When, when they don't like objective reality, they, they pretend it doesn't exist, and they try to redefine and change the terms. And by way of analogy, it would be like the, some one state saying, we're going to change the definition of the word murder. Be, uh, under the existing abortion laws in the United States, we're going to say that it, you can, it is not murder until a person is five years old. Therefore, you can have an, a legal abortion of someone up to a five-year-old because they're not, uh, it's not technically murder under our definition if they are under five. That's right. So I, I would encourage you to uh, understand the difference between a state's rights, and yes, states do have rights, but they don't have right to define something that is part of a natural created order. And this comes from God himself, our creator, already defined, already created male and female, already created the institution of marriage, and we have no right to redefine his created order. For more information, visit Liberty Council's website, lc.org. Liberty Council is on the front line of advancing religious freedom, the sanctity of human life from conception through natural death, and marriage and family, particularly the union of a man and a woman in marriage. For more information, visit lc.org or call us at 407-875-1776. Keep us informed about what's happening in your communities. Get some of our educational material. You can go to our online stores for some of our Patriots handbooks that cover a wide variety of information, Israel, religious liberty, 
political activity of pastors and churches, and much more. The Second Amendment and many other topics in the Patriots Handbook series. You can get all of them. Go to Liberty Council's website for more information. Support Liberty Council financially. Without you, we could not do what we're doing, representing individuals across the country free of charge. Pray for us. Support the ministry, lc.org. You have been listening to Faith and Freedom with Matt Staver of Liberty Council. We hope that we have motivated you to stand up for your faith, family, and freedom. Working together, we can make a difference. Get informed and stay involved. Visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org. That's lc.org. And tune in next time right here for Faith and Freedom. Patriots, listen to the words of this song. Listen to the lyrics. They ring true today, even more so than ever. truth is looking at us face to face, ladies and gentlemen. Patriots, the truth is there. Our country's in in deep trouble. The truth is in front of our faces every day. We see it. And if we don't do something about it, our sons and daughters and future generations are not going to enjoy the freedoms that we have today. They're going to be ripped away from them, taken away from them. 
the Constitution destroyed, and the freedom of speech, the freedom to speak out for what you believe, will be denied all Americans. Is this what you want? God bless America. And if we don't do something about it pretty quick, there's not going to be an America as we know it. They're trying to take it away from us. Trying to deny us our rights given to us by God through the Constitution. And by God, for one person, I've had it. You know, folks, we talk a lot. We Americans blow a lot of smoke. We say a lot of things. We say a lot of things that we're going to do and not do. And most of the time, most of that falls on on the floor and swept up into the bag and thrown into the trash can. Talk is cheap. We all know that. If you take the time, ladies and gentlemen, take the time to look at what's going on in Europe. Look at what's going on, what's transpiring in Europe today. Look at Germany, led by a socialist, led by a, uh, an ex-East German, a commie, if you will, Merkel. And look what she's done to Germany since she's been in office. She is doing the same thing to Germany that one of German's people way back in the 20s and 30s and 40s did to Germany. She's destroying it. She's allowing Muslims and the, the phony religion of Islam to march into Germany by the millions and take that country over. And now that she sees that what she believed in is multiculturalism and political correctness, and all the isms that go with somebody like her, she sees that it's not going to work out while she's jumping up and waving her arms and hands, saying, oh, I messed up, or we messed up as German people, we should have never allowed this to happen. It's too late. The sons and daughters of Germany are being beaten in the streets by Muslims. The daughters of German mothers and fathers are being raped and beat in the face by Muslims who make fun of Christian religion, make fun of the German people, make fun of German history. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we here in America sit here fat, dumb, and happy, and we say something like that will never happen here. We're wrong for even thinking that. It's already here. Obama has opened the door. Eight years almost of people traipsing into our country with bad ideas, bad situations that they want to put on us. Fourteen killed in California not too long ago. Over 3,000 killed in New York City. 9-11. Terrorist attacks. Millions of people coming across our southern border 
We don't even know where they come from, who they are, what they're bringing with them, the ideologies they carry in their heads, the hatred they hate and carry with them when they come across the border, the hatred they carry for with them for their hatred for America. We don't know any of this. Yet Obama says it's okay. It's all right. And the Democrat Party says it's okay, it's all right. I heard an argument today by some doofus from the Hoover Institute who said we have 390 million people in the United States and we're bringing a little a little bit, a little minuscule amount of Syrians here, 67,000. And if you compare that, he said, to the million that invaded Germany or came into Germany under Miracle's Blessing, and you look at their population, there's a hell of a difference, he said. I would have liked to ask him, and the Fox News person sitting there questioning him was so damn dumb, she didn't have the wherewithal or understanding of a question that would put him to sleep, put him to shame for saying that. You say that we have 300 million plus Americans here and we're only bringing 67,000 Syrians and that, that that's minuscule? Sir, it only took two people to kill 14 Americans in California, two Muslims. It only took six Muslims to kill 3,000 in New York City. Yet now Obama's bringing over 67,000 here. Can you guarantee me every one of them is clean? Can you guarantee me that every one of them carries no hatred for America? Can you guarantee me that there are not any ISIS implants in that 67,000? Hell no you can't, Mr. Hoover Institute person who blows smoke up America's ass. We're on to you type of people. We know where you're coming from. Political correctness has you by the ghoulies. Political correctness has you by the throat. We know that. You cannot speak out against evil. You cannot speak out against anything because you're so afraid somebody will have something bad to say about you or your organization. You're all a bunch of phonies. You're all a bunch of apologists. Just like Fox News, just like NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, public broadcasting. They're all politically correct apologists. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, veterans, active duty personnel in our beloved military, we have got to stand up. We have got to take these people to task. We have to shine the light of truth on them. We have the ability to do that. We can pick the phone up. We can call Fox News. We can call CBS. We can call those individuals that support those news outlets and tell them, companies, I'm not buying your products anymore. I'm not watching your television channel anymore. You change you show change and you show love of America and you stand by America or you can go to hell. You know, folks, I've asked many, many times on my show, when is the tipping point going to show itself in America? When are Americans collectively 
going to arrive at a point, a tipping point, when they throw their hands up and they beat on the desk and they say, I've had enough of this. When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? I swear to God. I swear to God. God above. What is wrong with the American people? Now, not all of us are in that boat. But that boat is dragging us all down. America is sinking faster than the Titanic. And we have a person in the Rainbow House, formerly known the White House, who sits back on his skinny ass and makes all kinds of excuses for his beloved buddies in, in, in the, uh, the Muslim religion, all of his friends, all his communist friends, all his socialist friends, his Marxist friends, his progressives, and the Democrat Party, and we have people running around in Congress, like I was just talking about a while ago, Barbara Lee, and nobody says anything about it. What's wrong with our government? Are they scared to death of themselves? Scared to death of the media? What is it? I wish somebody could figure it out. I wish somebody could figure out what the hell is going wrong inside the hollow halls of Congress. I wish somebody could figure out what the hell is wrong with journalism. I think I figured it out a long time ago. And it stems from one central point. It has to start somewhere, right? You can go back decades and put your finger on it. It's our school systems. Where do you think all of this, these ideas come from? This, these ideologies come from? Where are they taught? Where are our children being indoctrinated? It's in our school systems. It just didn't happen overnight. It took decades to get to this point. Decades. And now what we've reaped and, and sowed as an American population, as an American people, over the decades, asleep at the wheel, we have finally reaped what we have sowed. It is all coming to fruition. It is all here for us to see and hear. And by God, we see and hear it every day. Not just in the, our youth, but in our older folks. There are a bunch of insane people out there who have bought into all this, who support Hillary Clinton, support the Democrat Party, support the Republican leadership, which lies to us just as much as the Democrats do by not saying anything. They are supporting the lies that the Democrat Party spews every day. And where do we stand, we the people? Why, hell, we're on the outside looking in. There's nobody representing us. We the constituents, who's out there to represent us? They're either silent, or if they are saying something, it's just a bunch of rhetoric. Nothing of any meaning. We don't have any leaders. We don't have any leaders in our in our federal government. But we do have two leaders. 
that are standing on the outside looking in with us that say they will lead this country. And by God, I believe both of them. Those two people being Mr. Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. Oh yeah, I understand all of the mechanics of politics. When you're attacked, you attack back. When you're trying to achieve that seat of power or whatever, you go on the offensive. I understand all of that. And I understand Mr. Trump and Mr. Cruz banning back and forth at each other. But I firmly believe, I firmly believe as an American who has fought for my country, who has children and grandchildren, I firmly believe that those two men believe in the Constitution. They look at it different ways when it comes to how to put that belief out to the American people. But the bottom line is, they're both patriots. They're both patriots. Both have been highly successful in their endeavors. And they know, they can identify why, why they were successful. And the bottom line is, either one of them will tell you is because they live in a country that has the freedoms for them to, people like them to become successful. Set their goals and achieve them. No other country allows you to do that. But even that is going away. The federal government is in everybody's billfold and purse. Their private lives and state affairs. Dictating to us from cradle to grave how we're supposed to conduct ourselves as Americans according to those who operate the government. Now, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz understand what makes a good American. Donald Trump and Ted Cruz understand what's at stake in 2016. Donald Trump and Ted Cruz both understand that the very well-being of we the people and future generations literally hangs on the ballot box in November of 2016. They understand that. The media doesn't understand it. They think it's just a big game. You listen to the media. Oh yeah, we got the debates coming up. That's going to be a big TV night. We're going to have all kinds of news breaking and we're going to have all this and all that. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. And all the people in the corporations say, yeah, you know when O'Donnell opens his mouth, why, by God, we got all kinds of people listening in. They're going to see our products. We did. It's just going to be fantastic. None of them are signed on to the reality of the situation. 2016 is going to be a pivotal point in America. Either we go down the tube, go down the road, continue down the road of Obama and his people, his minions and the Democrat Party and communists and progressives and whatever the hell you want to call them, taking us down that road, headlong into communism, headlong into Sharia law, headlong into a country that can't even identify itself as America. Little pockets of Muslims here and uh, illegals there and whatever here and there. That's where America's going to end up at. Future generations will not be able to identify themselves as Americans. 
It depend. It will depend on what region in America they live in is who they identify themselves with. It won't be the United States of America. You mark my. I won't be around to see it, but it will happen. It's time to wake up, America. Playtime's over. It's time to wake up, America. All that playtime and enjoying and sitting on your fat dumb ass is over. Look around you. If you have children, look at them. Can you look them straight in the eye and tell them, I am doing the best I can for you and our country? Can you? Can you say that you've tried? Can you say that you're willing to step up to the plate and help your country? Your country, not Muslims' country, not Obama's country, not the Democrat or Republican's country, your country. You'd better do it, America. I think this is our last shot. This is our last shot before we finally go over the cliff. And once that's done, there's not going to be a ladder to get back up that cliff. We'll be done. And we'll go over that cliff and land on a heap of has-been countries. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back. It's top of the hour now. We'll be back at the top of the hour at 5-Minute News. Got a lot of stuff to talk about yet. Stand by. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Gary will be back after the Fox 5-Minute News break. Fox News Radio, I'm Joe Chiro. A tense situation when two small U.S. Navy boats drift into Iranian waters. The ten sailors on board being held by Iran. We get the latest from Fox's Jill Nato in Washington. The American sailors were on board two small boats in the Persian Gulf when they wound up in Iranian territorial waters. Nine men, one woman on board those boats taken by the Iranian military. They're reported to be safe, and Tehran's been saying they'll be released back to the U.S. Cu- into U.S. custody soon. But a Pentagon official tells Fox News there's no timeline for that release. The incident comes as the House of Representatives is scheduled to debate Wednesday on a bill to impose sanctions on Iran and potentially potentially derail the Iran nuclear agreement. Joe? Thanks, Joe. The House of Representatives overwhelmingly approving a bill to impose sanctions against North Korea just a week after the communist nation's test of a nuclear weapon. The Senate must still vote on that legislation. President Obama will be on Capitol Hill in a couple hours delivering his final State of the Union address. Fox's Jared Halpern is there live with a preview. President Obama will tell a joint session of Congress that America has been through big changes before, like wars, the influx of immigrants, and expansion of civil rights. Excerpts of tonight's address urge rational, constructive debate for Republicans. The most important issue uh, and what's on a lot of people's hearts and minds is how do we keep this country safe? And we see increasing threats. House Republican Conference Chair Kathy McMorris-Rogers says that includes a more comprehensive strategy to defeat ISIS. Administration officials say this address will be different. Notably, we're told it's expected to be President Obama's shortest State of the Union. South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley will deliver the Republican response. 
Joe. Thanks, Jared. And the Dow gained 117 points today. You're listening to Fox News Radio, fair and balanced. Peekaboo, peekaboo, smile. Smile, buddy. Come on, smile. Oh, honey, he's still not smiling. Maybe he's not a smiler. <sighs> yeah, maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe he's just being a boy. You know how boys are. Or maybe he's teething. Oh, poor baby. I think his gums hurt. Maybe he's just tired. Or maybe his tummy hurts. He didn't eat that much. Maybe he's not ticklish. You think maybe he's scared of the dog? Maybe he'll outgrow it. Maybe it's a phase. Maybe he just doesn't like smiling. Maybe he has autism, and we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. Learn the others at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs or see a doctor today for an autism screening. The sooner it's diagnosed, the better. And it can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Officials in Harney County, Oregon, say the armed protesters, a wildlife refuge, really need to leave now. At a community meeting, some said Ammon Bundy and his armed protesters have, at the very least, brought a real concern of theirs into the spotlight. Just how much land the federal government owns and how they deal with ranchers and other landowners. But county officials said it's time for the protesters to go. Judge Stephen Grasty said the protesters escalated things when they removed a government fence Monday. Bundy has said they're staying put until two landowners convicted of arson are released from prison and the federal land the protesters took over is turned back over to the people. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. State fire marshals investigating what caused an Ohio family of four's home to suddenly explode into flames on Monday. My daughter played, my both my daughters played with and babysat the two girls there. The mom was like a, a mother to a lot of the kids in the neighborhood and they kind of treat her like that wonderful family. It's it's devastating. Neighbor Mike Mahan. Four bodies were found inside the home, two identified so far, Jeffrey and Cynthia Mather, both 43 years old. And I'm really passenger on a Frontier Airlines flight from L.A. to Miami. This passenger says the man became aggressive toward flight attendants. We see that he was arguing with people around. He was using bad language, and then the, uh, the stewards came, and he was very rude to them. Police took the man off the plane at Miami International Airport, and they say charges are pending. California air quality regulators rejecting Volkswagen's recall plan to fix vehicles, including the Beetle and Jetta, that were programmed to trick government emissions tests. The government in California, the Air Resources Board, says the plan did not meet its standards and is unacceptable. I'm Joe Chiro, Fox News Radio. This is Gary Gatehouse. Make sure you tune in to Restoration Radio International weekends to listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio shows back-to-back. Wow! Yeah, that's right. Uh, Gary Gatehouse radio show coming out of London, England on the weekends back-to-back by Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, Restoration Radio International, what an organization they are. All put together by a man named Mr. Stephen Lang, who resides in London, England. A friend of mine, been a friend of mine for quite some time. 
and he's got one hell of a lineup on Restoration Radio International. And you folks up on Facebook that are wandering around up there looking for good conservative folks to talk to, to to uh, post with, whatever, roll over, go over to uh, on Facebook to Restoration Radio International and join up, sign on, become a friend of Restoration Radio International. A lot of great folks up there from the other side of the pond as well, over in England, over in Europe are up there, and they are great folks. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there was a man way back in the history of the United States, way back, uh, that uh, took on the Muslim community, took on the, uh, the Muslims, and he kicked the crap out of them. He kicked the holy crap out of them. While Muslim terrorists kidnapped and killed innocent people around the world as they do today, Thomas Jefferson knew exactly how to end radical Islam's bloodshed with a classic American take-no-prisoners smackdown. President Jefferson refused to play games when given the choice of appeasement or confrontation in the face of terror. He said, ain't no way, bud. We're going to come after you uh, Muslims and we're going to knock your know-what in the dirt. Now there's a historian out there, David Barton, and he said Jefferson led America's first war against radical Islam. And Mr. Barton sees many parallels between the young republic's struggle against the Barbary pirates, Muslims, and the West's current war against Muslim terrorists. Mr. Barton said the one thing Thomas Jefferson showed throughout his life is that he was diligent about the intolerant or violation of violations of individual rights. Jefferson was very clear that our people, the United States of America, its people and property were entitled to protection wherever they went, wherever they go. And he was just as diligent to protect American rights in Europe and on the high seas as he was within America itself. How novel of an idea is that? Since when did our elected officials, when did they lose that hold of that concept? Boy, we could use a Thomas Jefferson today. But you know, during the period of the American Revolution and the early Republic, American merchants and sailors were under constant threat from North African pirates from the Muslim powers known as the Barbary States. More than one million Europeans were captured and enslaved by Muslim raiders between the 16th and 18th centuries. One village in Ireland, Baltimore, was famously sacked and entirely depopulated by slavers. They took them all. Jefferson was well acquainted with this history. In Jefferson's initial draft of the Declaration of Independence, he criticized the Christian king of Great Britain for engaging in slavery, which he termed the practical warfare, the opium of infidel powers. As the late Christopher Hitchens observed, the allusion to Barbary practice seems inescapable. But Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, also had first-hand experience, folks, he had first-hand experience with the motivation of Islamic slavers. While in London, Thomas Jefferson and, Tom, and John Adams spoke to the ambassador from Tripoli, Abid Ali Maran, and questioned him on why the Barbary pirates thought they should war upon a nation that had never done anything to them to harm them. The Muslim ambassador's response was, It was written in the Koran! that all nations should not have acknowledged Islam's authority 
were sinners, infidels, that it was their duty to make war upon them and to make slaves of all they could take as prisoners. How many times has Gary Gatehouse explained that very phrase or quote to you, the people, on what the Koran tells Muslims when it comes to practicing Islam through the Koran? The Koran tells Muslims... It's your responsibility to convert all infidels. If you cannot convert them, it is your responsibility to either kill them or make them their slaves. This holds true the Muslim ambassador way back in the 18th century. 17th century told Thomas Jefferson exactly that. Now, Mr. Barton argues it it was this shocking response that drove both Adams and Jefferson to seek out their own copies of the Islamic holy book, the Koran. They both individually wanted to know, Mr. Barton said, they were not placated by platitudes from one side or the other. They wanted to see themselves. For them, it was a self-evident fact that when you read the Koran, you will see why they behave, Muslims behave, why they believe the way they do. However, Adams and Jefferson had a fundamental disagreement about how to respond to this problem of Islamic terrorism. John Adams, as president, refused to use the Navy to fight the pirates because he knew if he got involved in a conflict with radical Islam, it would be an ongoing for years. He thought the American people had not the stomach for it. A Barbary pirate is a Muslim back in those days. In contrast, Jefferson's long experience of dealing with Barbary pilots as Secretary of State under George Washington and as Vice President under Adams led him to a different approach in this situation. Jefferson's attitude is that he would put an end to this kind of terrorism because he'd seen the country dealing with it for many years. He had seen Americans dealing with it for at least 15 years. While Adams thought America simply could not afford a war, Jefferson demanded the United States cease paying tribute and demand by the Barbary part. Stop paying him a penny. When Jefferson became president in 1801, the ruler of Tripoli demanded tribute, which Jefferson refused. The result was the first Barbary Coast War. U.S. against the Barbary Coast Muslims. America forces suffered a setback when the USS Philadelphia ran aground and the crew was captured. However, Stephen Decor became an American hero and he led an effort to burn the ships so the Muslims, as they were called, could not use them. Eventually, American forces were able to capture territory in this area and force a peace treaty, which freed the captured crew. The victories of these early American armed forces are immortalized by a stanza of the Marine Corps hymn, which refers to the shores of Tripoli, the same very shores, the shores of Tripoli, that ISIS marched hundreds of Christians out dressed in orange jumpsuits, the very shores, the shores of Tripoli, where ISIS marched those Christians out and beheaded them for all the world to see. And I reported back when that happened. And I relayed back to the Marine Hymn and Shores of Tripoli 
when we defeated the Muslims way back in the 1800s, that ISIS also read all of that, and they were sticking their finger in our eye today by showing us the shores of Tripoli were once again owned by Muslims. And they showed us that by that horrific act of beheading all those Christians on the shores of Tripoli. Gary Gatehouse reported it that way. No other talking head or news media even caught on to what ISIS was up to. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it was noted that this conflict did not end the threat to the United States. I'm talking about the one with the Muslims and the Barbary Coast Muslims and the uh, United States of America. Within only a few years of the treaty ending the war, the Barbary Pirates were once again raiding American ships. It would ultimately fall to a different American president. Jefferson, fellow Christian, uh, fellow uh, Virginian, James Madison to preside over a second Barbary War Coast Coast War that would ultimately end the American payments to the Islamic Corsairs of North Africa. Adams was right about the expense and time required to confront Islamic piracy. However, ultimately, the problem was stopped when the United States was able to inflict a high enough cost to force aggressive Muslims to back down. If the United States had followed the European practice of simply paying off the Islamic attackers, the problem could have continued indefinitely. We probably would have had it today. Today, Mr. Barton sees a, a similar pattern at work, especially when it comes to the aggressive behavior of Muslim immigrants in Europe. Mr. Barton points to the mass sexual assault of German women by Muslim men in the shadow of the Cologne Cathedral as part of Muslim I don't know, hang up for desecration. He said, I've been to Israel a number of times. And one thing I've noticed is that every time there is a biblical site, the Muslims have to mark it in some way. Whether it is to put a mosque there or desecrate it in some way. It has been their nature to act like a dog marking territory. They've done it with Buddhists. They've done it with Hindu. And they are particularly eager to do it with Christians or Jewish symbols. One of the holiest of holies. They have built a mosque. This is just part of the desecration of what they do. But he said, Mr. Barton said, and we all agree. He argues this Muslim aggression behavior, aggressive behavior, needs to be confronted. They, they take places that are holy to everyone else and work very hard to create outrage and desecration on those sites. The thinking that says this is good, a good thing to do, is something that should never be welcomed in the world for any religion. Muslims must be stopped. Muslims and Islam must be put in its place. The Muslim religion must be pushed back to the Middle East and surrounded and kept there. If it, we don't do that, you can kiss Europe and you can kiss your country, America, goodbye. This is Gary Gatehouse and we'll be back after a Gary Gatehouse monologue slash rant and a few messages.
TGIF. You know, it's Friday. And like I say in all my Friday shows, it's a day we all wait for, right? You got it, baby. You got it. Uh, go out and party this uh, summer night. Friday night. Wow. Secret agent, man. Gary Gade House. <laughs> Well, I hope this Friday's finding you all, all of my listeners out there, in a real damn good mood. I hope the sun is shining down on you all. God's blessings are flowing on you. I just hope the best for all my listeners, because you're the greatest. You really are. I can't complain one iota about you all. Now, I get some nasty emails, but I know those, uh, those little trolls, those little nasty individuals are liberals. Socialist Marxist progressive little piggies. So, you know, I uh, I take what they say with a grain of salt. This kind of rolls off of Gary's back. I don't really pay much attention or much heed to what they have to say. Some of the stuff they say to me uh, in the emails is absolutely comical. But uh, <laughs> who cares, right? And we all know what Friday is, don't we? We all know it's that time of uh, the week. Where we all climb on the love train. We all suit up. We all get ready. We check our bill foes. We just got paid. Check our purses. We just got that big roll of money in there from cashing our paycheck. And we're ready to rock and roll. It's Friday night. And it's time for we the people. It's time to party. So here we go. The love train is loading up, folks. It's Friday you're all suited up, ready to go. So come on, folks. The train's pulling into the station. Get on board. And our first stop is going to be way across the ocean in that great little island of England. All you blokes and blokettes over there, I hope you're having a great Friday. I hope old Edward Snowden, the traitor, is having a great time in Russia. No, I don't. I really don't. What an idiot that man is. But that's another story, isn't it? All right. On board. Here we go. Get on board. All you folks over there at uh, WAAR, all you staff members... All you talking heads, all you conservative talk show hosts, get on the train. It's Friday. Come on. Come on, Wayne Dupree. Pack your bags. Get on the love train, baby. Tell all the folks in Israel we're standing by them. Don't miss the train. Don't miss the train, baby. If you miss it, I feel sorry for you, the love train. We're loading up. Here we go. Come on now. Got your bags packed? Hell, you don't need no bags. Just jump on that damn train. Ride that sucker to the end of the ride. 
<laughs> Here we go. All aboard. Love train. Spread the love around. We need it. We damn sure do. All you folks out there, join hands. Look each other in the eye and say, Welcome aboard the love train, brother or sister. Now let's ride. Oh, you know, Friday's such a great day, isn't it? I mean, everybody is breaking out, getting off of work. It's just a great day, and I just love, I love that song. Love Train by the OJs. It's just a fantastic song, and I just think it, I, I just think it kind of gets you going, doesn't it? Just kind of get your, uh, oh, I don't know, your juices flowing and kind of getting you into the mood to get out there and uh, go meet your friends at the local pub, at the local watering hole, sit down and talk about the week. Complain about your boss? Get out on the dance floor and dance. Whatever the hell you're going to do. Have a great time. It's Friday. It's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. (laughs) T-G-I-F. Yeah, I make a big deal of it because it is a big deal. Damn it, us Americans work our ass off and it's time on Friday for us to get out from underneath all that. Get out from underneath all of our pressure and our worries and just let your hair hang down. That's right. That's what we do here in America. We work, we work, and we work hard, and by God, we party hard, too. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I had a show all set up today that I was going to talk about this and that, and uh, I heard a speech. Obama gave a speech in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, and I listened to that man standing up there in front of God and everybody and his adoring crowd and if you look at that crowd, it's you can tell those people don't, uh, they're, none of them are operating with a full six-pack. They're missing a few cans out of a six-pack, most of them. You can just tell by looking at them. They're adoring eyes and, and how they're grabbing their chest when Obama says something, how they're all shaking their heads like little, you know, those little bobbleheads you get at football games or baseball games where you kind of hit them and their head goes up and down, goes back and forth. That's what these people look like. They look like Obama bobbleheads. That's a, that's what a liberal is. Hell yeah, that's a new one. Liberals are Obama bobbleheads. That's what they are. You Obama just has to shake them a little bit, and their head goes up and down. Uh huh. Yeah, that's right. That's right, brother. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me vote. I'll vote for you a hundred times. Yes, sir. Right on. You got it going, baby. Obama bo- bobbleheads. There's a good one. Did I start that? Is that something I come up with, or has somebody else already come up with it? Hell, I don't know. It sounds cool, though. Obama bobbleheads. Liberals, socialists, Marxists, communists, progressives. Obama bobbleheads. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, Obama is a narcissistic so, uh, sociopath. Did you know that? Obama is a narcissistic sociopath. And it's a, uh, a definitive behavioral that is... Easy to recognize. People can, with narcissisms, are characterized by their excessive and persistent need for others, for their admiration and positive reinforcement. Now, if that isn't Obama, I don't know who in the hell is. They generally have grandiose opinions of themselves, and they believe they are superior to other people. Narcissists 
are also frequently convinced that they are above the normal responsibilities and obligations of everyday life. So they usually have a significant difficult time maintaining employment or relationships as a result. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that, 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 doesn't that just suit the man to a T? Doesn't it? Well, I got some more stuff to tell you about Obama being a, a, a narcissistic uh, uh, sociopath. Now, the narcissistic sociopath has a type of personality, along with a noticeable lack of regard for the rights of others and a, a tendency to regularly violate those rights. The narcissist with his uh, sociopathy reacts strongly and sometimes even violently to negative feedback. True, sociopaths generally do not respond to criticism or care what others may think of them. Damn! That's Obama again! Man, we're hitting a nail on the head, aren't we? Now, a narcissistic sociopath is unable, like I said, to tolerate criticism and needs constant praise, as well as deference from the other people. You know, folks, many with this condition present themselves in the best light possible and are able to easily charm others to gain their trust. Now, let's, let's dig a little further into Obama's head. The malignant personality. The malignant personality. These are people who are mentally ill, and ex- they're extremely dangerous. Now, the following precautions will help to protect you from these destructive acts in which they are capable of carrying out. To recognize them, keep the following guidelines in your mind and compare them, bang them up against what you see Obama doing on a daily basis, then you'll come to the conclusion that he does indeed have a malignant personality. Number one in the guidelines is they are habitual liars. They seem incapable of either knowing or telling the truth about anything. Bingo. Obama. Number two, they are egotistical to the point of narcissism. They really believe they are set apart from the rest of humanity by some special grace. Bingo. Number two, Obama. Three, the scapegoat. They are incapable of either having the insight or willingness to accept responsibility for anything they do. Whatever the problem, it is always someone else's fault. Bingo. Obama. They are remorselessly vindictive when thwarted or exposed. Bingo, Obama. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're down to guideline number five. Genuine religious, moral, or other values play no part in their lives. They have no empathy for others and are capable of violence. Under older psychological terminology, they fall into the category of a psychopath or a sociopath. But unlike the typical psychopath, their their behavior is masked by a superficial social facade, or facade, however you want to pronounce that damn word. Now, doesn't that, doesn't that just, you could hang that all around Obama's neck. Every one, one through five. Now, I want you to listen to part of this speech that Obama gave in Kansas City a couple of days ago. Listen to what this man has to say. And then you tell me if what we're not talking about doesn't fit him, doesn't fit him like a, a 
form-fitting glove. Have a listen. So some of the things we're doing without Congress are making a difference, but we could do so much more if Congress would just come on and help out a little bit. Just, just come on. Come on and help out a little bit. Stop being mad all the time. Stop. Stop. Stop, stop just. Stop just hating all the time. Come on. Let's get some work done together. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we actually, they, they did pass this, uh, the, this Workforce Training Act, and it was bipartisan. There were Republicans and Democrats, and everybody was all pleased. They came. We had a bill signing. They were all in their suits. And I said, didn't, doesn't this feel good? We're, you know, we're doing something. It's, like, useful. We're not, nobody's shouting at each other. You know, it was really nice. I said, let's do this again. Let's do it more often. I mean, I, I know, I know uh, they're not that happy that I'm president, but that's okay. Come on. I won't, I've only... <laughs> I've only got a couple years left. Come on, let's let's get some work done. That, 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 then you can be mad at the next president. <laughs> Look, we've got just today and tomorrow until Congress leaves town for a month, and we we still got some serious work to do. We've still got a chance to. to we got to put people to work rebuilding roads and bridges, and, and the highway trust funds are running out of money. We got to get that done. We've got to get some resources to fight wildfires out west. Help, you know, that's a serious situation. We need more resources uh, to deal with the situation uh, in the southern part of the border, right, with, with some of those kids. We've got to be able to deal with that in a proper way. So, so there's a bunch of stuff that needs to get done. Unfortunately, I think the main vote, correct me if I'm wrong here, Congressman, uh, the main vote that they've scheduled for today is uh, whether or not they decide to sue me for for doing my job. Now, folks, have you ever heard a more sophomoric type speech? That sounds like it's coming from the mouth of a 12 to 13 to 14 year old male. And on top of that, he's a wiseacre. He's a wise ass. And he stands up here. And if you if you if you've seen the uh, the speech. You would see the crowd in the back of, of him. What's what, what the the crowd that attended to listen to the uh, liar in chief? They're all a bunch of dolts. You can tell by looking at them. Most of them are female, of various colors: white, green, blue, green, yellow. I don't know. There's a few males scattered in there. Very few, but all the women are just fawning over him. One is holding her chest like she's going to have a freaking heart attack every time he opens his mouth. But just listening to that speech, you can tell he has those people in the palm of his hand. And he is going after them with all his manipulative and cunning that he owns. Because you see, he is a sociopath. 
When we come back at the Fox 5-Minute News, we're going to talk about this more because this is something the media is not talking about. This is something that uh, those folks out there that are supposed to be the mainstream media, even Fox, are not addressing this issue about Obama, his narcissism, and his sociopathic lying, and his way, his complete way of life is set aside from the rest of us like he is something very What if you got rewarded for every good decision? What if your heart had a special way of letting you know it appreciates your healthy choices? I've got to get my family to eat more vegetables. Amazing! And instead of cooking with butter tonight, I think I'll saute our veggies with a heart-healthy oil. You're a genius! So really, would your food choices pay off in heart health? Did you know that when you replace bad fats with healthier fats, like those in canola or other vegetable oils, it can lower bad cholesterol levels? And that's good for your heart. Here's a winning idea. Take up the challenge for good health. Because the you of the future will say, Fantastic! Learn more at heart.org slash face the fats. Canola Info proudly supports the American Heart Association's Face the Fats campaign. One in 33 babies is born with a birth defect. But mothers-to-be can help give their babies a healthy start. This is registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics with your Eating Right Minute. There are some simple steps women can take to prepare for a healthy pregnancy. Take 400 micrograms of folic acid each day. Don't smoke or drink alcohol. And talk to your doctor about any vaccines or medications you take. Maintain a healthy weight gain during pregnancy. And if you have diabetes, keep it under control. Remember, Make regular visits to see your health care professional. For help choosing foods during your pregnancy and after baby is born, see a registered dietitian. Encouraging you to eat right, I'm registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Well, we all know the world lost a great entertainer, Mr. David Bowie. He was one of my favorite uh, entertainers, if you will. Not when he was Ziggy, but in later years. You know, ladies and gentlemen, Hillary Clinton has, over the years, flip-flopped so many times, we don't you don't even know which side of the, of the aisle or which side of uh, any uh, question or movement or whatever that she's on. She can be here one day and on the other side the next. It's just, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to figure her out. We all know she's a liar, a habitual liar. She's an accomplished liar. She's had decades to practice that. But we know that she's in bed with all the wrong causes. We know that for sure. We know that she's a progressive slash communist. We know that for sure. We know that she is a very corrupt, immoral person along with her husband. And she has a daughter in training that they're trying their best to corrupt her as well. I think they probably already have. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, Hillary's on Mexican television, Telemundo, the other day, 
and she was been, being interviewed by that famous Mexican uh, journalist. I forget his name. I don't. If I knew it, I wouldn't mention it. And they were talking about the Latinos and the deportation deportation of illegals in this country. Have a listen to a, a, a response that Hillary had to a question that was posed to her by this a journalist from Telemundo. Listen to this. The last time we talked, I asked you if you had a Latino problem. And you said you hope not. And now many Latinos want to know if you're going to be the next deporter-in-chief. Many Latinos are concerned that you were against driver licenses in New York State. Mm -hmm. And in 2014, you said that you would um, send back some Central American children. Mm -hmm. And also, we haven't heard you publicly, personally, opposing the deportation race conducted by the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. As you know, President Barack Obama has deported more than 2 million immigrants. Mm -hmm. So will you become the next deporter-in-chief? No. No, and I, I have come out against the raids. I do not think the raids are an appropriate tool to enforce the immigration laws. In fact, I think they are divisive. They are sowing discord and fear. Uh, and I also have come out in favor of guaranteeing that unaccompanied children have government-sponsored counsel so that as they go through the process, they will not be lost in the process, confused by the process, and will have a chance to tell their story. It is important to put this in the broader context, which is what I've tried to do. We have to have comprehensive immigration reform, but how we implement our immigration laws does have some uh, ability for the executive to make choices. And I would prioritize criminals, people who are plotting or planning or taking action that is against our public safety or our, um, our property, those are the kinds of people that would be uh, on my uh, list. Um, That's not what the Obama administration is doing right now. So maybe the question is, can you promise that you won't deport children? And can you promise that you won't deport immigrants who don't have a criminal record? Here's what I can promise, Jorge. I can promise that I will do everything possible to provide due process. We have to change the immigration, asylum, and refugee laws. And right now, until we do, we have to try to figure out how to handle this very large group of predominantly women and children who are coming north. So we have to be sensitive and humane in the application of our laws. Um, and we also have to do a lot more, and this is where I think I have a particular passion. We have to do a lot more to help those countries in Central America get over some of the challenges of violence, criminality, drug cartels. That is really the impetus behind it, because you know that this year we had no net immigration from Mexico. That's true. And in fact, Mexicans in America are actually going back to Mexico. Now, why is that? Because there is, despite all the problems, as we still know exist, there is better economic opportunity, there is better uh, stability for families. And similarly, I recall very well the good help that America gave to the Colombian people to overcome their decades of civil war and the horrendous behavior of the drug cartels. So now Colombia is doing better. We need to focus in particular on Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. Will you deport children? <clears throat> 
Let me say this. I would give every person, but particularly children, due process to have their story told. And a lot of children will, of course, have very legitimate stories under our law to be able to say. And I would certainly, I'm going to end private detention centers, I'm going to end family detention, both of which I think are not in keeping with our values as Americans. I cannot sit here and tell you I have a blanket rule about who or who won't ever be led into the country to stay, because it has to be done individually by individually. What I don't like are the mass roundups and the raids that just pick people up and send them off in the middle of the night, and that should end. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you heard her. You heard what she said. That she was not going to uh, deport people. She also said that she was she was talking out of both sides of the mouth. She would enforce the immigration laws. But they need to be rewritten. And they need to be re- rewritten in such a light, this is Gary Gatehouse speaking, that Democrats who bow down to uh, illegals, the, the immigration laws need to be written so those illegals can stay here, get amnesty, and all individuals coming into this country will be accorded the same uh, laws that are written on the books at the time when Hillary is in the president's office, rewriting those laws probably as new situations uh, pop up. She's a liar. Do you believe anything she says? And can you hear the money just dropping, dropping out of the taxpayer's pocket to all the things she says she's going to do? Ladies and gentlemen of America, this woman, and I use that term loosely, is a communist. She, uh, she sides with the illegals. She wants illegals here, as does the Democrat Party. They want them here. The more the merrier. By the millions, which have already came, have already broke into our country through the back door, the southern border, have waltzed in, and the Democrat Party and and, uh, Obama has welcomed them with open arms. Why, you ask? Why? Simple. Those are all future Democrat votes. The Democrats need those votes. The Democrats need those votes. And they know damn well that those illegals illegals coming through our southern border are uneducated, third-world trash that can be swayed by waving a few dollars in front of their face. Welfare on the American dole. And the American taxpayers will pay for it hand over fist while trying to keep up with their bills. They're already doing that. The Democrats know it. The Republicans know it. They keep their mouth shut. They don't say anything about it because they hope they can take those illegals and sway them towards them and make them Republicans and get their votes. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say, and I've said it many times over, that Congress is the biggest political whorehouse in the world? Do you understand that now? Do you understand that they will... They will get out there and they will court anybody for a vote to keep their ass in power? Do you understand that? But you know what, ladies and gentlemen? Like Hillary said, no, I'm not going to be the next deporter-in-chief. And that was a nickname supposedly given to President Obama by Latino groups that oppose deportations. The issue came to her to a head 
over these past holidays when Immigration and Customs Enforcement began rounding up and deporting adults with children who entered the country illegally after May 2014. This should come as no surprise. Homeland Security uh, Security Secretary Jay Johnson said in a statement, I have said publicly for months that individuals who constitute in enforcement priorities, including families and unaccompanied children, will be removed. He said that. And the raids prompted outrage among some Democrats and their Hispanic allies. Well, Hillary came out and said, I've come out against these raids. And she told that to Fusion Monday night. I do not think the raids are an appropriate tool to enforce the immigration laws. In fact, I think they are divisive. They are sowing discord and fear. And I've also come out in favor of guaranteeing that unaccompanied children have government-sponsored counsel. Cha-ching, cha-ching, taxpayer money. So they, as they go forward through the process, they will not be lost in, in the process, confused by the process, and will have a chance to tell their story. Clinton said Congress must pass comprehensive immigration reform. But how we implement our immigration law does have some ability for the executive, the president, to make choices. And I would prioritize criminals, people who are plotting or planning or taking action that is against our public safety or our property. Those are the kinds of people who would be on my list. The rest of you illegals who broke into our country illegally, the rest of you peoples that thumbed your nose at us and waltzed across our border, why, you're all, hell, you might as well just stay here. That's what she's saying. But you know, ladies and gentlemen of America, I think America's fed up with all this. I think they're fed up with the fact that they are trying to keep their heads above water, treading water, if you will, and the whole scheme of things in America today. Our economy is down the toilet. Ninety-some million people on welfare. People are out of jobs, working two and three jobs. The only jobs available are menial task jobs, hamburgers, entry-level jobs. That people in their 50s, 40s, and 30s, and late 20s are having to fill because they can't find anything else, even though they got a, say, a college education. And then they get turned around and smacked in the face by the government that says, Oh, by the way, we've got all these illegals in this country, and I'm going to bring another 65 million Syrians into this country, and you all, you Americans, you are that are struggling to make ends meet, you're going to pay for them as well. How do you like those apples? And so far, the American people really haven't raised a ruckus, so I guess they like it. They like the fact that they have to go to work and pay for their families, their houses, their insurance, their cars, their mortgages, and pay for illegals' kids' education and health care and subsistence. I guess America loves it because I damn sure don't hear America collectively speaking out against it, do I? Or do you? Hell no, you don't. But somewhere down the line, somewhere down the line, and it's getting close, where the American people are going to wake up and say, what the hell's going on here? I'm working my ass off and not getting anywhere. But I see some illegal going down the street in the same kind of car I have, working at a job that I'm working at. Getting the same benefits I'm getting. And he's not even an American. 
What's going on? What is up? Who caused all this? I'm pissed. Will that day ever come? Hell yeah, it will. It'll come when America gets smacked in the face so hard it wakes them up. But until then, America will continue to tread water and we'll have people like Hillary Clinton, Marco Rubio, Barack Hussein Obama Jr., the Republican leadership, the Democrat Party, the Republican uh, people who sign on with the illegals. They'll continue down their merry way trying to develop new ways behind closed doors to get those illegals in here, like Moonbeam did in California, getting them the right to vote, getting them driver's licenses, health care, you name it. And the California people, I don't hear them bitching or crying about it. I don't hear them. Why? Have they given up? Don't they understand the process and what's going on? Don't they understand that they're being raped by their California government and the federal government? Their billfolds and pocketbooks are being eaten alive by benefits given to illegals? I guess they haven't caught on yet. For some reason, the gray matter between their ears, little of it there is, just hasn't put two and two together to figure it out. But we people who pay attention have known this for a long time, haven't we? Damn right we have. We knew we know who's on board with taking care of business when it comes to illegals and Muslims. We knew we know who's on board. And we know who has song and danced around it. Tap danced around it. We know who those individuals are. We know who those congressmen and senators are. We know the mainstream media, every damn one of them, every outlet, stands up for the illegals. We know that a lot of big corporations stand with the illegals because they're getting free, almost free, labor. They don't want to pay Americans wages. Not when they can pay an illegal a half or even a quarter of what an American needs to live on. But like I said, somewhere down the road, somewhere down the road, people like Clinton, Rubio, Republican leadership, Democrat Party, mainstream media, the American people are going to wake up to all this. All the spin, all the lies, all the rhetoric, all the hyperbole, all the misinformation, disinformation, and propaganda put out there, they're going to wake up and they're going to realize that they've been taken for a ride. They've been used and abused by their own government. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. You're home. You served your country with honor. Now it's time to strike out on a new path forward. You're a veteran. You set the standard for character, integrity, leadership. And you've gained valuable skills. Skills employers are looking for. At jobcenter.usa.gov, you can get access to personalized services and the support you need to find the perfect career. This is U.S. Navy and Marine Corps veteran Montel Wim saying, visit an American Job Center today and discover your next opportunity of a lifetime. You gotta take care of Texas, it's the only one we got If you're way up the love, look down and look and buy Gotta conserve water, keep the air clean Take care of Texas, don't you know what I mean, y'all? Kevin Fowler here, Texans take great pride in keeping our air clean 
Visit TakeCareOfTexas.org and take the pledge to help keep it that way. We'll send you a free Texas State Park Guide. You gotta take care of Texas. It's the only one we got. Sponsored by the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. Well, it's about time we wrap up another Gary Gatehouse radio show getting after Lefty. Wednesday edition, Hump Day in America, Hump Day in the Free World. I hope all you folks up there on Twitter, Facebook, all you folks around the world that tune into the Gary Gatehouse radio show, Getting After Lefty, have enjoyed this show. Uh, there's many more on the books, many more to come down through the whole year of 2016 when Gary gets after Lefty. I'd like to give a shout-out to all my listeners over there in Europe, especially in England and Germany, France, Italy, Scotland, Ireland. I hope you're having a great day. Keep your chin up. Keep your wits about you. Things are looking up. Things are going to be better. Stay strong. Now, don't forget the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show will be back on the air Friday. And we'll be talking all about the current issues going down in the United States of America, in Europe, in the free world, in the world. There isn't an issue that Gary Gatehouse won't address. Shine the light of truth on those that would want to do us free people harm. Because you know Gary Gatehouse is always on the scene, getting after Lefty.
Well, I guess it's time to get geared up. You know, Friday's on the way, and then after that, it's the playoffs Saturday and Sunday. There were some great ones this last weekend, but I tell you what, Cincinnati embarrassed the whole sports world, I think. Some of the players on that team were just absolutely embarrassing. Disregard for rules, disregard for control themselves. It was really it was really a sad moment in NFL history. I know NFL tried to play it down, but the millions of people seen what transpired on the field that day, and it wasn't pretty. It's kind of a reflection on how some people in America today look at things. They look at them in such a way that they can do what they say, want to do, anytime, anywhere. And they don't give a damn how their actions or what they say impacts on the people around them. Now in Cincinnati, those players that did those things that were inappropriate, not within the guidelines of the NFL rules and regulations, those people on the playing field not only jeopardized their careers, but they took away a a W out of the win-loss column and disallowed, kept the Cincinnati Bengals from moving on in the playoff scene. What a shame that was. For the people of Cincinnati, I feel sorry for you. I really do. That you had folks on that field that had no disregard for your city, your team. That's a comment from Gary Gatehouse, the Gary Gatehouse radio show. Necessarily the, oh, I don't know, policy of all my radio stations. That's strictly what I think about that situation. And I'm sure a lot of Americans agree with me. It was a sad day in American football. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we got about four minutes before we had to hang up the old microphone and headsets again until Friday. And I would just like to thank all those individuals up there on Twitter that have signed on to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. You know who you are. And I appreciate all of you for all the comments and all the things that you've done to forward my show links and whatever out over Twitter. And I have to say, what you're doing has picked up the listening power of my show, has done a lot to help forward and put forward the voice of the of Gary Gatehouse and the Getting After Lefty show. And don't, don't think for a moment that I don't appreciate it because I really do. I try to send you all personal messages thanking you for signing on or following the Gary Gatehouse radio show, Getting After Lefty. If I left out someone, I apologize. I'm sorry. I, I, I'll try to get back to you. But I, I, again, I really appreciate those folks up on Twitter and Facebook as well that support the Gary Gatehouse radio show. This is Gary Gatehouse wishing you all a great day. God bless every one of you. God bless your families. God bless America. God bless Europe. God bless free people everywhere. This is Gary Gatehouse saying, Good day. Oh, oh, the fruited plant.
Yes, it is. 